This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The following podcast contains explicit language. Are you ready to make America great again? Bernie Sanders doesn't get it. Hillary Clinton doesn't get it. Barack Obama, he really don't get it. The next time we see him, we might have to kill him. Donald Trump has a lot of work to do telling us what he's going to do specifically. I continue to believe Mr. Trump will not be president. And the reason is because I have a lot of faith in the American people. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the man who says he'll accept the verdict of the American electorate if he wins, Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. We've talked a lot on this show about the problem of separate realities. It's not just that a lot of Donald Trump's core supporters disagree with what they hear from the mainstream media. It's that they have their own set of facts. And a lot of those facts just aren't true. They're lies and urban legends like Barack Obama being a Muslim or that he's let in hundreds of thousands of Syrian refugees to the United States or that we're in the midst of a national crime wave or that election fraud is rampant. It's frustrating to argue with people who think, in the immortal words of Rob Corddry, that the facts have a liberal bias. But where do the alternate facts of Trump supporters come from? A lot of them come from hyperpartisan Facebook pages. The ones on the right have names like Eagle Rising, Freedom Daily, Right Wing News, and The Angry Patriot. BuzzFeed did an analysis of these pages, and it's really disturbing. First, 38% of their pages contain blatant untruths. And second, these meme mills and scam news publishers get shared like crazy, way more than sites like CNN, Politico, and ABC News that traffic in true facts. There are hyperpartisan left-wing Facebook pages, too, and they can be just as bad. But BuzzFeed found that they were only half as likely to disseminate blatantly untrue information. This is the background to the hyperpartisan political environment we've come to inhabit. I'll be back to talk to Craig Silverman, the BuzzFeed writer who put this analysis together right after we do the tweets. I will be handing over my Twitter account to my team of deplorables for tonight's hashtag debate, hashtag make America great again. Paul Ryan, a man who doesn't know how to win, including failed run four years ago, must start focusing on the budget, military, vets, etc. Polls are close, but can you believe I lost large numbers of women voters based on made-up events that never happened. 
media rigged election. Voter fraud. Crooked Hillary Clinton even got the questions to a debate. And nobody says a word. Can you imagine if I got the questions? Want access to Crooked Hillary? Don't forget, it's going to cost you. Hashtag drain the swamp. Hashtag pay to play. Crooked Hillary colluded with the FBI and the DOJ. And the media is covering up to protect her. It's a hashtag rigged system. Our country deserves better. My guest today is Craig Silverman. He's the founding editor of BuzzFeed Canada and an expert on online misinformation. Craig, thanks for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me. So I read this story you did in BuzzFeed, which I thought was terrific, about these hyper-partisan sites on Facebook and how they get shared and spread. But tell me a little bit about this analysis you did with a group of other BuzzFeed writers and editors and what you were trying to figure out. We've been watching, I think, like a lot of people, whether you're a journalist or, or just somebody who looks for a lot of news on Facebook, we've been watching these, you know, very partisan political Facebook pages really take on more and more importance and grow very quickly, particularly during this this latest presidential election cycle in the U.S. And so there are pages on the right and there are pages on the left. You know, they have in some cases millions and millions of fans, and there's often a, a website of the same name attached to them. And there was a really great article recently in the New York Times magazine really looking at their impact and their growth and the sort of businesses built around them. And one of the things that I've been interested in for a long time is uh, is how the how misinformation can spread very quickly and very easily online, and also how when people see information that aligns with what they believe, often, you know, a partisan political belief, they're more inclined to share it, they're more inclined to believe it. And these Facebook pages just seem like the perfect weaponized version of that, where they were appealing to people who had strong partisan beliefs, and they were also using this amazing network power of Facebook to really push their stuff out there. So the simple idea was, you know, let's really get a sense of the impact that they're having. So how much engagement are they getting on Facebook compared to, say, mainstream political Facebook pages? And also, what about their content? How much of it is accurate? How much of it is false? How much of it is misleading? And so we basically took a seven-weekday period, and we analyzed a more than a thousand Facebook posts from a selection of six uh, hyperpartisan pages. And then we also looked at three mainstream pages as kind of a benchmark to see what we would get. And were there things that weren't true on the mainstream pages? The mainstream pages did not have any what we called mostly false posts. Um, the only ones that, that fell into our middle area, which is a mixture of true and false, um, there was largely one report, actually. It was an exclusive from Politico, and it was their story claiming that George um, Herbert Walker Bush, um, you know, the senior former President Bush, was in fact going to vote for Hillary. And that was a huge story for them. But since that story has come out, the former president has not confirmed it, and his spokesperson said they would not confirm it. And so it's in this kind of gray area where it might be true, maybe he's going to vote for Hillary, but it's unconfirmed. And so it's unsubstantiated. Did they have any basis for saying it? So there was um, there was somebody, a woman who posted on Facebook saying she had recently met the former president and that he told her he was going to vote for Hillary. And so, you know, she seemed like a reasonably 
extremely credible source, but it's this kind of thing where, you know, maybe that is the case, but we don't actually know for sure. And so our ratings guide that we established for all of us reading and evaluating posts was that anything that is, is unsubstantiated is going to go in that middle area. And that was basically, you know, that was the source of pretty much most of the ones from mainstream pages that were in that gray area. We didn't see them doing really misleading stuff. We didn't see them doing false stuff. Right. And so then when you turn to the hyperpartisan site, that filled with things that are blatantly untrue, and it's striking that you say nobody comes off very well, but the the right wing ones are are have twice as many lies as the left wing ones. We found that the the right wing pages about thirty eight percent of the posts that we looked at from them fell into the either the mostly false or the mixture of true and false category. So they're either false or misleading 38% of the time in terms of the period we looked at. And on the left, um, the, the number combining mostly false and a mixture of true and false was 19%. So there, there was a, a notable difference between them. Um, and one of the things that they shared is that when you're, you know, looking at these pages and what they're sharing and reading the associated articles, like you feel like you're, you're off in a different world. And so, you know, we mixed up the pages that each of us were rating. And so one day you might have you know, a left-wing page and a right-wing page, another day maybe two from the left or what have you. And it was just a, a huge, incredible contrast to go and look at one from one ideological side to another. And there, you just get this experience that there's all of these people living in these two completely different worlds, and there is no interaction and no middle ground between them. Well, that's, you know, the phenomenon that I think has struck so many people in this campaign. And, and one question is, how much is Donald Trump a product of that information environment and how much is he a cause of that information environment? You know, I think I think the product side, I, I would say um, he's he's definitely appealing to to the strong partisan interests that are out there. In terms of you know what's really driving all this is is human nature. Um, that's that's the truth of it. And then when you combine that with the massive network of Facebook, we're getting a kind of a different cocktail. Um, and and I suppose if you mix in some of the, some of the anger that is out there um, that that exists, particularly on the right then you start to see some of the phenomena. But the, the human nature piece is that, of course, humans love to and prefer to consume information that aligns with things we suspect are true or, or deeply held beliefs that we have. Um, quite literally, physiologically, when we encounter information that reinforces that, we feel better. It feels good for us. And you get a, you get a dopamine hit when your view is conf- confirmed. You do. And and what happens when you get something that contradicts it is we actually there's something called the backfire effect, effect whereby rather than sitting there and sort of rationally saying okay let me consider this point of view we tend to double down on our pre-existing beliefs and and reinforce them even more and and even more reject the opposing view and so if you think about that in a networked world like Facebook and if all you're doing is kind of catering to deeply held beliefs and making people even more and more polarized and more addicted to that kind of information. Well, you can probably drive a lot of engagement. You can probably drive a lot of traffic. And I think, you know, Trump is tapping into that on his side of things, understanding that you can get people really passionate and really motivated. Not Maybe not everybody, maybe not a majority of Americans, but he's got very, very passionate supporters because he's really telling them all the things that they want to hear. And this kind of information you found in your analysis gets shared way more than the sort of objective truth from the mainstream sites. Yeah, that was, so one part of the study was, let's get a sense of, you know, the factual nature of the content on these sites. And then the second piece was, well, let's combine that with um, data we can gather from Facebook to see which 
posts perform better and which pages perform better. And, you know, simply put, as you said, the mainstream sites get far less engagement in terms of reactions and likes and shares on uh, on Facebook than these partisan pages. And, and I, I think that's not really a surprise because if you're doing more emotional-driven content, if you're appealing to beliefs, you're going to get a much stronger reaction than if you do kind of dispassionate factual reporting. And, you know, one of the things that was, however, kind of alarming, of course, is that the pages we found on the right and the left that tended to have the least accurate content also had among the highest engagement. And so in that area, you start to see that, well, maybe the incentives are actually all aligned for these pages to be less and less accurate. That's fascinating. What's what's an example or a couple of examples of the mostly untrue stuff that Trump supporters are sharing? Well, I mean, you, we did see a lot of Hillary uh, Clinton health and other kinds of conspiracy theories. So, you know, one health conspiracy theory, we saw a, at least a couple of stories that I can think of where they were legitimately talking about her having a body double. Uh, <laughs> and so this was, being, this was being shared and this was getting out there. Um, after the first debate, which occurred during our analysis period, um, there were stories about her having an earpiece that was tipping her off. Um, so we saw uh, a decent amount of Hillary Clinton conspiracy theories. Um, the right-wing pages we looked at were extremely anti-Black Lives Matter, um, you know, routinely described them as terrorists and would often attribute events and blame them on Black Lives Matter that had absolutely nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. And not, not only that, but also had nothing to do with any kind of racial injustice issues. Uh, and so there was a lot of, of the Hillary stuff and a lot of Black Lives Matter stuff. There was one you had that was amazing that that said that a uh, black person, black people had poured gasoline on some white people and set them on fire. And there was a what purported to be a picture. And then it decides that not even animals would do this time to hang these people. So basically a call to lynching based on a false accusation of something that didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, this this was a case where where there was a video of of two guys who who were who did end up getting set on fire, and there was an altercation. Um, but this this particular page and website just took it and spun it in a whole other into a whole other realm. Had nothing to do with Black Lives Matter, and and they started talking about Black Lives Matter when they shared the post. Um, they said that it was you know a bunch of black men and a bunch of white men in an altercation, but in fact it was one black man, another man who was not white, who were the main two people who were arguing and getting in a fight. And I mean, there were just so many falsehoods, including the fact that they presented it like it had just happened. And in fact, it was more than a year old. And they also pretended that it had been censored by the media when, in fact, it had been covered, um, you know, in a huge way locally, but also had even spread to CNN and the Daily Mail. And so, you know, when we encountered things like that, you know, the, the jaws would just kind of drop. And then you would look at it. And, the, and that story um, was shared uh, from their page you know, more than 14,000 times. And I'm sure it ended up in other places getting shared even more as well. Craig, there's been a ton of debate recently about Facebook's role as a news distributor and, you know, whether it has a bias against conservatives and then censorship of some things based on its, uh, you know, standards about nudity and so on when it, when it censored the Vietnam napalm girl picture that the, the Norwegian editor posted. Um, but what is Facebook's attitude towards all of this false information being distributed as true information on their platform? Do they care? 
You know, the, the response that they typically give um, is, is, one, they say that, you know, they have taken some measures to try and get rid of fake news. Um, you know, I've, I've been looking at sites that only publish fake information for a, a couple of years now, at least. And Facebook has, you know, it won't ban these sites, but it has allowed people to, you know, select uh, an option and flag that post and say, hey, this was inaccurate. Um, so their approach has, has been a very hands-off approach because, they, as they always say, you know, they're a tech company, not a media company, and they're a platform. So they don't want to be seen as censoring things and deciding who gets to publish and who doesn't. So I think a lot of times you can sort of sum up the response as, well, you know, free speech. And then the second layer of it is, well, we're trying to institute some measures to enable people to flag, you know, inaccurate or suspect content. Um, but, you know, the reality is that the biases of Facebook really help make this stuff um, more successful. The algorithms look at what people are really reacting to, and they serve people more of that stuff. And if you're going to do that, you're naturally going to push people into very partisan echo chambers. And Facebook has not really given substantive responses to concerns about that. And, you know, they aren't very transparent about the algorithms they use and how they work. And I think their problems are only going to get bigger um, uh, because, you know, they aren't really being very open about it, but also they're really doubling down on algorithms and they don't like to use human oversight. Do you think they consciously tune the algorithm politically or is political tuning of what you get just the result of the what the algorithm does? Is it a byproduct? For the most part, I, I don't think they're tuning it in, in political ways, but I, I do think as you said, that, you know, just naturally the algorithm sees what stuff you really engage with and gives you more of that. And that's probably going to start to, you know, polarize you even more. Um, the second thing is where, where they might actively be pushing political stuff at you is as Facebook learns more and more about your behavior on their platform, they do start to make some assumptions about you and they do start to um, create what, what are called ad preferences. And anyone can look at their ad preferences on Facebook and see what Facebook is using to describe you and using to, you know, enable people to target ads at you. And in that case, you may actually see that Facebook has decided, oh, you know, you, you like, you know, liberal things, or you like conservative things, or, you know, you're very interested in politics. And Facebook may decide that that's a really key part of your identity on their platform. And that will result in you getting more of that stuff pushed your way. And you, so, and you can, so you can buy ads against liberal or conservative, or are there other proxies for those things? That's it. I mean, the idea is if I'm an advertiser and I go to Facebook and I want to target conservatives in a particular state, right. Facebook is going to enable me to do that because they've decided who those conservatives are. Yeah. There was this you know, idea that goes back a little ways, and Eli Pariser uh, wrote this book called The Filter Bubble that said it's a sort of dystopian vision that we're headed for this world that's an even more extreme version of this where we're all getting – the in news that confirms what we already think and not getting very much of the news that challenges what we think. I mean, do you, is this just a problem that's steadily getting worse and going to the point where we are in separate bubbles and have our own realities and don't, can't talk to each other because we don't think the same basic facts are true? I think that there's no question that there is, for a certain segment of the population, that's already 100% what's going on. Um, and there's, there's, you know, in the years since his book came out, there has been, you know, research study after research study, um, looking at Facebook, looking at other places, showing that, yes, these, you know, these filter bubbles really do exist, and they can be quite profound. There was a really big study done um, by some researchers in Italy in the past couple of years. They looked at a tremendous amount of Facebook data, and they focused on um, pages where there was 
a lot of discussion of conspiracy theories. And then they looked at pages where it was more kind of science-based discussion. And, and they saw very clearly that there was almost no overlap between people who would frequent that one category and people who would frequent the other. And I think that the same thing is certainly taking place when it comes to political points of view. And what, what really worries me even more about these pages is that you know, as we were reviewing them, naturally, even just after a few days, we started to see Facebook and Google showing us more of the kind of stuff from the right or the left, because as we were looking at lots of these posts, these algorithms were deciding, oh, you're interested in this now. And so I think my worry is that even people who unconsciously, you know, are seeing this information, the algorithms are pushing more and more at them. And over time, without them even realizing it, they can become more polarized. And the algorithms are playing a very powerful role in that. And that's one of the pieces that I'm very concerned about, because it's, it's, you know, certainly segments of the population now who are in these very separate groups. But what if these algorithms are actually helping push us even more to one side or the other? So what does this tell you about the ability of, say, Donald Trump after the election to claim that he was cheated, the election was fraudulent, he was robbed, and have meaningful numbers of people believe him? I think there's there's a good chance. Now, what what is a meaningful number? Um, I, you know, it's tough for me to put an estimate on how many people would start to believe that. But what he's doing a very good job of right now is he's laying the groundwork. And as he talks about things being rigged and as the conspiracy theories about voter fraud and other things circulate on these pages and other places, people are really being prepared and set up to accept that the result was rigged, if that's the way it goes. And so at that point, it's not necessarily a big leap for people who've already been consuming this stuff for weeks. For them, it's actually the the logical, obvious conclusion. Uh, And so that's, you know, that's kind of the dangerous piece of it. And you know, the other part that, of course, also has to be mentioned is Donald Trump launched, you know, basically a, a live video stream on Facebook just before the, the last debate. And Facebook has been advising his campaign on how to optimize that. And so if he does decide to, you know, his next thing is, is Trump TV or what have you, Facebook is probably going to be advising him and helping him to do that. You know, that's that's a really it's a strange kind of way that things are going because Facebook's approach is to say, well, we want to help anyone be successful on our platform. We don't care if it's true, but we will help you get it in front of the most people possible. That's it. I mean, there, you know, and the reality is that Donald Trump says a lot of things that are not true. And if he launches, um, you know, a, a digital TV effort or what have you, you know, and Facebook is certainly going to help them because that's a big potential audience for them for their live product. But Facebook wants absolutely nothing to do with you know, checking the integrity of information or verifying it or suppressing or not suppressing different kinds of information and points of view. Only the liberal media can do that. <laughs> that that would that would be something maybe Facebook wouldn't say, but I could imagine others saying that. Yeah. Well, Craig, this was a sobering analysis and a terrific piece of journalism. Thanks for doing it. And thanks for joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me. That's it for today's show. Trumpcast was produced by Jason DeLeon. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcast. Andy Bauer is the chief content officer of the Panoply Network. And John D. Domenico is our voice of Donald Trump. He gets his news from Donald Trump, so you definitely can't believe anything he says. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. If Hillary Clinton wins this election, the system is rigged. If I win, it's not rigged, and we will make America great again.